I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening You're pinning words All like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest. You guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris? 2017. Yeah, I see you, Michael. (laughs) On this show, (laughs) we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. See how we talk on the show? I'm getting it. I'm getting it. <laughs> so just a little disclaimer. Lisa, Lisa Colt Jam, is, um, she's out today. So I got my man sitting with us. You guys have heard him on here about 900 times. Chris I'm Darren. not here that 900 times. <laughs> I may be here nine times. Maybe, okay, maybe, maybe 10 times. Maybe, maybe 10. This could be 10. This could be my anniversary show. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> Chris Derrick, writer-director himself. What's up, Chris? Not much. What just, you been up to? Uh... I've, I've, I'm so close I'm finishing up this script I yeah. can't tell anyone about But you know about right, it Right, right, right um, I'm working on a new TV pitch You might that, dig it, Michael You might dig oh, it Oh, you dig it yeah. I'll, I'll tell you about it later um, And uh, You can speak, Michael We're just having a conversation um, oh, I know, but I don't want to talk over <laughs> oh, somebody no, you know, no. I'm trying to respect <laughs> um, And then uh, <clears throat> You know, it's interesting about You talking about Comic-Con I was just Because yes. like I've been gone in the last two years And this year I was thinking about it I was like Oh, you know like, What's so crazy about it So uh, just about comics in general, and so I've I've been doing a post that'll go up tomorrow really? about the twenty five most influential comic book covers. That's right. You've been doing that on tweet. You've been tweeting I did on tweet. Yeah, right. for me, like it's <laughs> not like the ones that you know that 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 made me just remember the genre more. I mean the uh, the the medium more. You know, absolutely. Um, so fractured characters, the way they're broken up. Yeah, that the, you know, the, like the, you the know, bad guys I mean, and yeah. All I mean, like all that stuff. So so I've got uh, I've just got like three more to put up. Uh, I mean, I, I started on Twitter like like doing like on the Thursday of Comic Con, and then I said I just do a big post so and explain more. So and so that goes up Tuesday. Gotta love comic books. <laughs> comic books are the visual medium before we understood how cinematic our visual medium could be in, in huh. filmmaking. Interesting. I, mean, I never thought about that. Been, it's sense. always been the visual storytelling hub. Right. And when I was growing up, that was one of the big things that got me into storytelling mm-hmm. was reading comic books. Well, I started as a kid. I watched uh, the, you know, the Super Friends. Exactly. You know, right. Batman, right. Aquaman, you know, Wonder Woman. Uh, the Flash, you know, all those great guys. Mm-hmm. Now Black Lightning, who makes a show, is now got a show for Black Lightning, and he used wow. to be on that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. He started, he was on that. And then that got me into reading the Justice League of America yes. and all these team things. Man, I wasn't even into the Avengers first. I was a total DC baby. <laughs> and everybody's crazy about Marvel, but I'll always, the DC characters will always hold a right. huge soft spot in my heart because right. it's always such visual and visceral action. Okay. It makes for great film, which is why they're doing so well now and kicking butt mm-hmm. yeah I mean you know like like um, the one DC comic cover that I always remember from the early 70s um, 
was the uh, Green Arrow and Green Lantern that's got Speedy doing smack on the cover. <laughs> Speedy doing smack and on the cover. And I was just looking at it again the other day, and I was like, you know what? You wouldn't even do a cover like this today. Right, no, right. wouldn't. Because it's like, it's like you know, the first thing in line, up front, <laughs> up, it's not in the background, up front and center is his tied off arm, and like he's holding and shaking in the needle. I was like, that's, that's pretty bold. You know, right. that's, too, that's bold then. Bold now. So... Speedy, I feel you Speedy on was one of the he's one of the main um, superheroes, so wasn't he? Yeah, wasn't he? yeah, like he's like the right fact, that, the the fact arrow. that they would do yeah. that, you yeah. know, is a trip. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, they always do things like look at what they did with you know even on the Marvel side, and I do still love I right. love Marvel as well. I just was got in through DC. You know, Captain mm-hmm. America always had his right hand guy, right. and then he winds up being. The bad guy, you know, yeah, for true, a lot of true. stuff, he becomes the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and that's always some really great twisted stuff. When you take somebody who's the right hand and your hero, who basically taught them everything they know, then has to turn around and face them right. and fight them. That's right. creating phenomenal conflict mm-hmm. because your heart is invested in the relationship, and then the relationship goes bad. Right. And that's always a great way to play with superheroes, and so that it's a great way to bring in drugs or anything. It's like holy crap, how far do these people go? Because you mm-hmm. can train people. It's you can lead the horse to water, but can you get it to drink? No, you know it's the no. same. It, no, and 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 that's what that's what the characters are who support characters. You know what we call reflection characters. Right, uh, uh, it's how well they follow the lead of the protagonist. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Definitely. So definitely. y'all hear his voice? <laughs> we got to the show here today, my man over here, Michael Tab. What's going down, brother? Man, I'm just having the best time. Yeah. I, you know, last night I had a scotch and cigar night with all my buddies <laughs> here in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, I did do that always one week after Comic-Con. We mm-hmm. had Comic-Con the weekend before right, right. where you just burn yourself ragged. There's that scene at the very end, that last clip of the Avengers movie with all those guys just sitting totally busted and, like, <laughs> exhausted and just eating shawarma. Right. You know, and they're not, oh, even not even talking. They can't even, yeah, 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 even freaking yeah, yeah. speak. That's how everybody smoke, feels. That's right. right. <laughs> and every and that's exactly how it is right after Comic Con. It's just it, it it's just a nonstop, ever moving. Make your friends, get your friends back, connect with her. It's funny that so many people have to go to San Diego to really connect with the people we all live with here in Los Angeles. Right, interesting. But it's because we're all off doing our jobs, working on very specific, <laughs> unique projects True. that keep us focused on working with specific people and not necessarily all the people that we want to be working with. So it's that great connection, the connective tissue is, is Comic-Con that brings right. us all back together and reminds us to start new projects right. with each other okay. and get things going. And it's, it's just one of those great events that also you're surrounded by 150,000 people who are there who are just there because they love what we do so much. And, that, and I mean, they bought that ticket a year ago. Basically. That's right. They, that's right. <laughs> they, and they showed to, up. They, they and to. that to me is the most reinvigorating feeling. I, I, it's my battery charge. That weekend mm. is exhausting. And at the same time, it like charges my battery like nothing mm. else. I've been to all the film festivals. Mm-hmm. I've done Sundance and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But nothing to me compares of doing that Comic-Con International Week where you're down there and you're not only is everybody there who you want to talk to and do business with mm-hmm. and re- catch up with, but then you're surrounded by over a hundred thousand, just about a quarter of a million people descend on San Diego, and about a hundred and fifty thousand of them are actually have tickets for the whole week. You know, it's in <laughs> so Comic-Con. people just be going to hang out. Shit. Oh, there's That's so much funny. going on around yeah. the, the the convention center. Right. They have all these installations and activations, and you know, free food at all these parties, and mm-hmm. everybody just goes there, and it's nutballs. Right. It's like I was so cool. I was walking from one party to another party, and um, uh, Adult Swim puts together this enormous 
back lot together outside the back of the convention center right on the water Mm. and they set up a giant uh, screening room it's a giant movie screen and they do like a drive-in of Adult Swim all night so all these people who are fans just get to sit there and chill in their lawn chairs after a day full of running around in panels and just chill with a bunch of other people laughing their butt off at some very adult animation (laughs) (laughs) and that's all over that's all over San Diego at that time in the marina area it's just the best it's the most wonderful energy that's what's that yeah I mean the thing that 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 I I think I think you made a great point is different than the film festivals because the fans the, it's a right. really a fan fan kind of like thing whereas film festivals it's a lot of it's a lot it's of an art tour it's, thing. it's the artists who are there and everyone mm-hmm. associated with their films and there's a lot of like there's there's pressure at a film festival right. for everybody oh god yeah you know because you're worried about who's, who's coming who's, who's, you know who's, watch all film, who's winning who's right. winning like, like right. all that shit you know distribution deals that's sort of us all that kind of stuff thrown out that's not how it is at Comic Con like Comic Con it really it's a good point it's really just the fans and mm-hmm. like and everyone is like they're I mean these you know in the last 10 years I've just seen what the companies do to kind of like just present their wares. It's just like so incredible. Oh, yeah. It's just incredible. I, yeah. I always get shocked. Yeah. I'm like, y'all did this? I mean, just for this? It's crazy. And people aren't there to judge. When you go to a film festival, people are there to judge oh, your yeah. creative work. Right. Yeah. And to see whether you were worthy and why did you get in and is this guy worth a prize and is that actor really as good as they're saying he right. is? When you go to Comic-Con and you're had it, sitting on panels, everybody is just freaking stoked to be there. <laughs> yeah. Everybody just wants to hear what everybody has to say right. because they love what we do. Right. And that kind of enthusiasm, it's contagious. And it, it really is. Uh, there's this Jewish word called, uh, term called refuah shlema. Okay. And it's resouling. Hmm. It's it's not just a recharge; it's a resoling of energy, um, and that's what I feel Comic Con does for me creatively every time hmm. I go down there. Yeah, because it's funny because I saw you on Tuesday night at the education committee, and he came back and he was like, "Hilliard, hey, buddy," I was like, "What you was doing over the weekend?" <laughs> I just got back from Comic Con. <laughs> uh, okay, recharge. He, he was acting like he just got some or something. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, you well, know what? You know. <laughs> Same like thing, that. right? Like that. It, it, I creatively got some. Exactly. I creatively got some. Yes. Uh, yes. You know. Yes. I, and it's not like regular getting some, which takes you know thirty Work. minutes. This is. Five straight days of getting some, and everybody giving you all they got for five straight days. You know what? I just think that'd be a funny thing in a script where the subtext was all about sex, but yet they're talking about comic con or some shit. That's funny. That's it. That's it. We just started that script right here, folks. Any one of you can write it if you want. Just write into Hillard, and 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 you let him know you're taking the idea and running with it. And we'll all do a guest spot on it just for you. (laughs) So you guys hear a voice. Hear his voice, Michael Tab. Everybody. Writer, producer, author. What else am I I'm sure getting another. Uh, I, I'm, I'm mostly a writer. I okay. mean, that's what I do. I've been a, a WGA member for 10 years, right. which is quite a feat. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize the odds of it's getting. About how the long you've been in, right? About a little bit longer? 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. The decade mark is a big deal because a lot of people, uh, uh, first of all, you're lucky. 70% of people who try to get into the guild, I think it's actually more like 90%, 95% of people who try to get in never even qualify for one year. Right. And then those who qualify for one year, most of those never qualify for two. Right. So when you're able to do this for 10 years, right. 
of qualifying and dues paying, but, but dues <laughs> yes. paying, right. yo, right. yeah, it's the it's the it's the it's the shiznit, and you, it's like okay, <laughs> I did it, I am doing it, you know, you, writers. I'm a writer, and uh, I was born and raised with a lot of self doubt, hmm. and I never had confidence in myself. Look, I, I was raised. Um, how, how would I describe it? Okay, it. I, I was I was red hair, freckled. <laughs> I used to have to wear braces to school with the headgear over my really? head. Oh yeah, really? and in middle school, school in middle school, target. I was oh such a target. God. I was Jewish uh, in 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 very suburban uh, uh, um, Orange County, California. Really? And uh, add to all that, I had a weight issue. I've mm. always been a big guy. Right. And what's even greater is that. Just at the end of the height of this thing called Diet Cola, it was the first <laughs> Diet Cola ever created. Was called Tab, right? Which oh, is yeah, my right. last name. Yeah, right. So people would come up to me and sing Tab Tab Cola, not just one calorie, adding the not because I was a fat little fuck. So it was but I not love pretty. That you've embraced it. You know, I you have to. You have to. That, that well, that's. That is how my whole life, I've always had a lot of energy, right. and I always love to make people happy. I'm mm-hmm. one of those guys, I think I was pretty miserable, but the result of that is I have a deep desire to satisfy other people. Okay. And, and uh, you know, so that changes you, and, and though you have a lack of self-confidence, it slowly builds when you're realizing, holy crap, I am doing things that so many people in this town are, have been unable right. to accomplish. Right. And that doesn't mean that anybody's better or worse or whatever than anybody else. I've had opportunities. The right people read my material at mm-hmm. the right time. But then when those people hire you more than once, there's a sense of, okay, I did that. Right. I remember when I turned in my script to Universal, mm-hmm. uh, my first script I ever did for them, the um, exec I did it for uh, called me up and said, that is the best first draft I have ever read. Wow, that's good. When somebody says that to you at a studio level, mm-hmm. It's There's great. a part of yeah. you that your heart skips a beat. That's like finding love. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. It, what you're it's talking true about. love. Yes. It's like, yes. oh God bless you for appreciating because I I put in crazy work, mad work mm-hmm. to my to my process. Mm-hmm. So um, I just got a I just got a I haven't told you I just got an option deal on one of my scripts. Oh, congrats! Week. What? Congrats! Yeah, <clears throat> and um, actually, it's the story of Sylvester, the singer from the seventies and eighties. Yeah, and. Um, um, the producers, when they called me, so we had a big like meeting with all the other producers. <clears throat> they said, Hillary just wanted you to know the reason why we want to do this movie. This is the first script in five years where the entire office has agreed we all have to do this movie. I was like, what? So it's the same. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, it's the same feeling. So I love it. I that love is it. the great. best, dude. Yeah, great. Congratulations. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank That's you. what we work for. That Those moments, because we... We are writers. We work in a closet. We develop carpal tunnel for a living. And all we want to know. Trust me. Oh, no, I do, too. I do, too. And all we want is for people to appreciate how hard we work to tell a really textured, layered story with deep and abiding meaning. Right. You know, and when people get that, it makes us feel like we've made our life because we don't write about baloney. Right. I don't write to write the you know the next big hit. I mean, if it became a hit, great. Right. You know, obviously we'd want that, but that's not why we write. We write to say something that's important to us, right. to say something that we want to get out into the world and something that means something. We come up with a premise that says, you know what, this is something the world needs to hear, and it needs to hear it in this way because they've never heard it that way before, right. and we need to disprove things that everybody takes for granted so that we can show them what the truth is. Okay, hold on. So I have a confession to tell you. Okay. Here to check this out. So Tuesday night, we were sitting there, 
and uh, we were talking about some particular topic, and you raised your hand, and you said something. Remember, and I said, after, loved it. Like, that was really good, right? Right. And I turned, and I looked back at you, and I had a vision that we were in the writer's room, and that you were talking. And I was like, I'm going to work with them on some shit. I don't know what it was, but it hit me. And you just did it again. And I saw another vision of us working on some shit. I don't know what the fuck, but something's I should coming. be so lucky. <laughs> something's coming. Amen. Yeah. Amen. May it be so. May it be so. Yeah. All you can hope for. Look, this business is full of people with all different personalities. Right. And you have to find the ones who are just good people. Right. Surround yourself <laughs> with people who will believe in you but will be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And if you find yourself with talented people who are honest with you and you like to spend time with, the dream is to work with those people. Right. Keep those relationships strong. Be there for each other because that's what writers need to do. We, we have to be our own best support group oh yeah oh totally because I think you made a good point about the relationships in this town because that's what derails projects really probably more than anything (laughs) is that that you can't get you can't get along with someone Mm -hmm. you know I mean I mean I mean it's just scripts can be great but something's happening between the producers and you or two other producers who want it. And then it just goes away. And it's right. like, that's a kind of, and it's like, there's a weird sense of the brass ring is right there a lot. And then people are like, I'm going to not watch those warning signs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, but then you get closer to the ring and all of a sudden they, you know, you know, it's time to put a ripcord. And I think that a lot of pain could be avoided. Right. People like if if they didn't if you know the money and all that kind of stuff is like is blinding you. I get that, but uh, it's 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 tough. That's a really good point. The most important thing is that you build the relationships with the people you work with. That's why I do Scotch Night and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. not because I like to drink copious amounts of alcohol like most writers. There's a little bit of that, right? Yeah, there's a little <laughs> bit of that. Um, but but what's, real, what's important is, is that you spend time with people who are in the business that you want to work with, and you spend it with them socially, not talking about business. Right, right. Because you create a relationship. You yeah. create a friendship and a bond. I and have when you're friends night, with somebody... I have fight they, night in my house where we watch the fights in the UFC and all that shit. So. See, that's, you, we all got to have our right. thing. And when you have those moments when people aren't going to give up on you, right. those people who you have those relationships, they will give you a chance to continue to work on something past the point to somebody who they don't get along with yeah. and have a relationship. People get replaced so easily in this business. It's a joke. It's like your, your head spins. Yeah. I, just did a, I just did an interview on another podcast called um, Paper Team. <clears throat> and we were talking about this. I was telling them about like how I kind of broke in from my level and I was telling them that I had heard of, uh, I was on a panel for a movie that I sold years ago and the the other producer on the on the panel was a big writer producer now by now and he was talking about the first project he sold he was at a party he met this producer who was a big producer and somehow they started talking about the guy's passion project he was like I could do that so he just threw out I'll write it for you for free right now this, there's, there's, there's a story to this now, I never tell people to do this. However, I heard that, and I did it myself, and it ended up working. Here's what he asked for. You probably heard me talk about this on that podcast. <clears throat> what he asked for was, whenever I hit you, I need you to hit me back. I need access to you. And there was a reason for that. And I was like, what the fuck is that for? Here's why. Exactly what you're talking about. Because now, he becomes the guy who's able to come over to fight night. He becomes the guy who's like, you pop over to give you something, and you guys are having dinner, and now I can sit with you. Right? That's right. So he's, he's invested who, in more than he's just the guy a story. He's not just going to give you a script and be the guy who doesn't show up on the set. No, I'm going to want you on the set. You're my boy now. 
That's you know right. What I mean, so that's what happened to me. It's an investment. Exactly. It is a personal exactly. investment, not just in the material, but in the individuals with whom you are making that right. material, and that's how you put a team together. Right. And it, well, the team is the mo- the team is so important, and you're right. The, the, the investment is important because they say this all the time with writers' rooms and television that the showrunner is like he's casting his room. Oh, you because, because he wants that to be this environment that is great for him to come to every right. day. And it's like that with everything in this business. Like people have to feel like, you know what, I'm gonna kick it with you at fight night. I'm gonna mm-hmm. go do whatever with you that's not business related. I mean, obviously you're gonna talk about business. You can't not no. because it's like you're not saying you guys aren't at all. No, but it's right. not no, the, the reason not, why no, no reason we're talking. Yeah, right. because it's you know, I tell people this all the time, friends of mine who don't live in this town, and I was like, you know, it was interesting because for you, entertainment is just entertainment. Right. But for us, it's like it's entertainment because we got to watch stuff because we want to watch it, and it's also like there's and there's always a piece of business when we're doing something, you know. But you're right; it's the balance of that. We just can't go into someone's party, and so we talk about the industry because they're like, dude, what the hell else do you have to to contribute about anything? Correct. You know, like go away from me. (laughs) Go away. Go away. Go away. Get out. So you grew up. So you grew up in Orange County. I did. I grew up behind the Orange Curtain. Uh, I started writing, I wrote my first, uh, my first story I ever wrote was actually a comic strip. And it was, yes, (laughs) and it was uh, inspired by Star Wars and it was a TIE fighter fight. And I realized I like telling stories. And uh, look, when you're the fat, red haired, (laughs) freckle faced (laughs) Jewish kid with braces, um, the escape, that's why I write a lot of escapist kind of. Look, I believe in writing stuff of deep meaning, but I I put that deep meaning into a context most of the time that people would not associate with a movie about very deep and personal issues. Okay. Because I, I to like that. to escape. Right. When I go to the movies, I want to escape my reality. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest. I like those films that are superhero movies right. and, and adventures and thrillers and, mm-hmm. you know, things that are... Larger than life. Larger sure. than life. I love that. So, yeah, uh... So I used to love to write, and I wrote my first screenplay in high school. It was 44 pages, had eight characters, and every one of them sounded exactly the same, <laughs> and it was awful. <laughs> but the idea is that you keep wait, writing, wait, you, and you, you get better. You didn't mail that in Hollywood and get your first dog or nothing? <laughs> no, no. That was utter... The first full-length screenplay, actually, that I ever wrote did get picked up by Hollywood. Really? Yeah, the first... I, I, after high school, mm-hmm. after writing this 40-foot... Well, you know, it's the final English lit class of my senior <laughs> year. They, could, they said you could write anything you want. So I wrote a screenplay. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a movie addict. Look, when I was a kid, um, at the, when I was in high school, my friends all worked at the movie theater. So I would spend days, all day, in the movie theater, hopping between movies. For and free. Then, for free. <laughs> yeah. and, and they'd get the, the, you know, the trays that you put all the drinks in. Mm-hmm. They'd take those trays, fill it up with popcorn, and send right. you in. Because right. they... they, they they count the buckets, not the amount of popcorn. Right. Interesting. So, and then at when when the theaters closed, we would turn uh, the movie theater into a dark at night um, hide and go seek game. How so we'd hide cool in the curtains and under the chairs. That'd be a good and behind. movie too. That's interesting. Okay. No, the movie theater was my great escape in life. It right. always has been. I, I've done things in a movie theater that you'd be like. Oh crap! You know, <laughs> it's really my home, and it's—I'm uh, not going to talk about it extensively yeah. because there are some things you don't, just, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but let me say that uh, 
so I, I, I was lucky. I, I got a great education after that. I went to USC for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, uh, you studied screenwriting there? Uh, I started as an actor. Uh, right. And then I went to NYU Tisch School of the Arts. They gave me a scholarship. Really? And I graduated with my BFA from there. Okay. And then I did my postgraduate work at UCLA School of Film and Television, where um, uh, I studied screenwriting. Mm-hmm. And I learned different things from each of these schools. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can picture this, but... I, I think of screenwriting, my, the lessons I learned in screenwriting, as riding a horse. Right. And then uh, what happens is, is you're the horse, and you have blinders <laughs> on. And in USC, you're riding, and picture the galloping horse, and you're going, these are the rules, these are the rules, right. these are the rules, right. these are the rules. Then I went to NYU in the middle of New York City, mm-hmm. where life is a little out there, mm-hmm. man. And there, you, you, your blinders are taken off, and you're saying, these are the rules, but look over here. And right. these are the rules, but look over there. Right. And all of a sudden, you're venturing out of all the cinematic rules you have and then when I went to UCLA it was it was oh crap now there's everything and I'm looking behind me and there's mm-hmm. all these different ways I can go it was like it was slowly built up and there were all these different tricks to process and everybody every school had different books that they had us read right. now some of them are the same and then some of them are different and then what I wound up doing is after being 10 years uh, a WJ screenwriter I decided to write my own book on what it is to be a screenwriter and how I develop a story idea. I think most people get so, writers, a lot of writers, they get so excited by an idea that they just want to sit down and write it. And they write things and then they don't understand why they don't work, why they don't sell. And it's because most of the time they didn't do the preliminary work on a script. They didn't stop and plan everything out, plan all the characters, make sure every character speaks exactly to what it is your movie is about. What is it the core? What is at the heart? What are you disproving about what everybody thinks in society so that you're telling people something they don't know? And when you do that and then you design the characters specifically to prove it or to fight that uh, fight that concept mm-hmm. and and create a juxtaposition antagonism and antagonize that journey, then then if you if you plan it all right, you can have something that's super well thought out before you get into it. So my whole book that I just wrote, um, I, I I wrote it can between I scripts. I got to interrupt you for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see something that I see? Uh. See how much he lights up when he talks about this shit. He's just like. Wow, dude! Like I get to talk about this shit. I love it. Keep going. Keep going. I love. I, I, I love. Yeah. I mean, I would real quick. Real quick. It's the thing I I like about talking with the writers a lot mm-hmm. is that particularly you know at your level is that the craft always still amazes you. Right. You know, it still brings you joy to mm-hmm. talk about the craft because there's no like you said there's no rules to it and that's what's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. There are there are ideas and there are helpful hints and there are rules, but all rules are meant to be broken. I even write this in the book. Mm-hmm. My whole book, I spent it writing the last two years on and off between writing a film and a television show, and mm-hmm. and and I even did some teaching on the side because I love to give back. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Full Sail University Master uh, uh, Master of Fine Arts Creative Writing Program. Yeah, give it to uh, I teach. Uh, I I do teach online there. Um, for the uh, screenwriting class, which is writing for film, and I also teach character creation. And I believe that the most important part of the creative process, there are two parts that are really people overlook, because people, the middle part of writing the actual script, it's like production. Everybody gets excited by production. They're not necessarily excited about pre-production, and they're not necessarily excited about post-production. Everybody wants to go to the frickin' set. They want to be on the set. They want to be on the set. Which is the most boring time ever. ever. (laughs) People don't realize that, because there's so much time between takes, because they have to reset 
set up everything. If something spilled, they got to redo it. They got to yeah. clean up what spilled. They got to start <laughs> all over. If somebody's smoking a cigarette, the cigarette has to be only so lit and so burnt so that it matches the last shot right. of the guy with continuity, the cigarette. Bitch. Yeah, it, 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 the continuity, keeping continuity. It's just. The set isn't exciting, but I still, don't get me wrong, I love I to be love on set. set. I love being love on set, set, but it's not as exciting as you think. But the other things, before and after the actual being on set, not as exciting to people. The same thing goes for story. People love the actual writing of the first draft of the script because it's like you finally have the reins to the horse mm-hmm. and you are just flying down mm-hmm. the track and you are just soaring and you feel the wind in your hair mm-hmm. and you're able to go. And if you want, you can tug the reins to the right and you can go there. Wherever that's going to take you, you're gone, man. You're just going wherever you want. There's no, there's no answers. You can plan things, but then you can go free, and it's wild, and the wind is in your hair. It's amazing. But the truth is, is that that process, for me, the reason why that process works is because I planned it well. So my whole book is about nothing except for building from absolute zero to creating a story, idea, and outline. My book ends before you write Fade In. Got it. It just, that's all it talks about. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It's just building. What's it called, by the way? It's called Pre-Writing Your Screenplay, A Step-by-Step Guide to Generating Stories. There you go. That's what, that's what the publisher wanted. I originally called it Pre-Writes Going From Zero to Story, but they didn't feel that that was going to be clear enough about what the material is, but... Pre-writing, it's pre-writing. Right. It's a, it's a word uh, I've created that's not a real word. <laughs> but, you know, people do rewriting, and then there's pre-writing. Right. Great writing is pre-writing, and then better writing is rewriting. Right. That's true. Right. Well, I mean, look, I tell people this all the time. I mean, some people don't like to have things heavily plotted out and heavily outlined and all this. They feel it kind of like robs the... The the, the the free the joy of being of able the, to turn left. Yeah, but <laughs> exactly. but yeah. But to me, it's like I don't find that the case because you actually the pre-writing process you're talking about. That's you writing. That's, yeah. that's that's you writing. Right. You just not putting it in say screenplay right. format. You have a detailed time. outline. It's exactly the same. But you're you writing. writing you know. I mean, it, I, I remember what's the girl's name? Uh, the, the woman. She wrote Ozymandias episode in in on Breaking Bad. Moira Brock Kelly. Moira oh, Brock Kelly. Yeah, she, you know, this thing they did at the at the Rogers Education Committee about the that you know that people came in a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. She was saying that when they did the outline, this, this episode outlines on Breaking Bad, she said the, she said that the mandate was this has to be good enough to be in the New Yorker type of you know Damn. you know like like the outline writing like really? like how intense and how emotional it is and i was like that's and that's the pre-writing that's right. pre-writing that's them figuring right. it out ahead of time so when they sat down to like type sit in front of you know final draft it was just it still work but i also want to point out though that pre-writing like shooting on a set just because you've planned something a certain way doesn't mean you have to write it that Correct. way the whole idea of pre-writing is that you have so many ideas going into it right. that you have the freedom to mm-hmm. turn right or left whenever you want and you know where the path is you know where you're going and you should feel free to disobey your own world and your creation test something out and then get back to it when you feel right it doesn't have to stay what you plan right but the planning just gets everything out on the page so you're not Forgetting something, Correct. so you're not losing it. There's, I've probably written about thirty-seven scripts, and only two of them—the Tulsa script, the Black Wall Street movie, 
and then Sylvester are the only two scripts. I think I have a 30, 40 page outline, detailed as fuck. On Tulsa, <clears throat> I wrote just that little teaser up to where the plane's coming and then it goes to black. I wrote this little two, three page teaser and then it fades to black. And I sat there looking at the screen and I usually just copy and paste my outline into my you know script and then I'm gonna go in. And I looked at it and I went, and I wrote delete. And I just started writing. But I had already, I had it all there. Right. And I only did it because something was telling me to let them talk to me. It was, I don't usually do that. But th- I still stayed, because I, I memorized it almost. You know what I mean? Sure. But, but still. It but was also, a, how many scripts had you written before that and you knew the 20, process well? And, yeah. Maybe. You've written 20 scripts. Right. It's the people who haven't written a script who think they can just dive in and tell a story, finish right. it, and it'll be great. Right. Without having plotted how all the characters play in and cross over to each right. other and those relationships. And it was and, weaved in and out. And there were, you that's know, right. everything came together at the end. You know, so definitely. You knew what you were doing beforehand. Right. You've had the practice. Correct. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing about it. I think that you made a good point about if you haven't written the script. I mean, like, you have to write a lot, especially screenplays, because you don't even know where mistakes are until you've gone through a lot of them. And then you start realizing that there's, like, probably similar mistakes that you as a writer make a lot because it's kind of that's part of who you are and then you got to figure out well, why am I doing that and then get rid of that I remember I saw Chris McQuarrie talk mm-hmm. uh, about um, this is just after Usual Suspects came out mm-hmm. and he was like yeah, this is my 13th script hmm. the other 12 you will never see <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't I, even let people know that I, I, I mean, that. you know and I get and I think that people fail to 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 realize you can't you 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 got to put the time in you got to work you got to figure out stuff you gotta it, it, you know there's this guy Carl Iglesias mm-hmm. he's, he teaches at UCLA he's one of the people I've trained with yeah like so Carl. so he's this really great thing where he says that a movie is a um, emotion is a, is a well engineered emotion delivery machine right. and I think when he the well engineered part is such the key to it. Because and the machine, because it's just like it's the blueprints right. that you gotta put together, that you gotta spend that time. Like you said, like the like proving what these points, like your essence of the story, these the the voice you want to say, the idea that, that you want to put out there. You can't do that effectively if you haven't designed how that's gonna happen. Right. Because you're going to have those characters pop up, like you said, that like say certain things, that challenge the main character at a certain point in a certain mm-hmm. way. you got to have these scenes in a way that like you know that, that, that try to prove the opposite and keep pushing the opposite. I mean, you can't, you, you have to know all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I, I see it in the same way, but I, I have a different set of words I use for it. And I call screenwriting, a lot of people think, oh, we're all English majors, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we are because we're writers. But I hate to tell you, screenwriting specifically is a lot of math. Hmm. And right. I, I call it's a puzzle. It is a, it's a puzzle, mm-hmm. and I call screenwriting chaos math. Love it. Okay, and because at the end you put them through this equation and a series of situations, and at the end when you get to an ending you never knew was going to happen. You don't know the ending of a math equation until you mm-hmm. get to it. Okay. But then when you get to it, you can go back and crunch the numbers, and everything that happened makes sense. Right. That's a great movie. Which is why you can work backwards. That's why you can work backwards. Okay. So I. That, so I think I, I see it as a, a giant mathematical equation where everything has to add up in the yeah, end. Otherwise, right. you're, okay. not, okay. you're not going to tell a story that makes sense in the end. And people are going to look back at it and go, wait, I don't get How did that get to there? It kind of 
feels a little wonky. Mm -hmm. The key is that everything adds up. Everything adds up. It's, know, just, it's not numbers, it's emotions. I think that's interesting on this level. One, uh, I, I, I talk to people a lot about like nitty craft stuff, mm -hmm. like the gritty stuff. And I, I talk to people all the time about like, you know, um, the white space on a page. And and like, how do you design your page in a way that you're you're drawing someone through? Because because I say, there's no. Oh, you just said something that most new writers don't understand. Design the page. It should be pretty. Oh yeah, oh, it should it's, be it's pretty. pretty. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's yeah. 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 got to flow. It's, it's, right. You, you got to do that. But it's kind of like you and it should go down, down the page, the page not, not across. Not across, <laughs> not across. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yes. it's it's, 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 ass, it's the, black lines. In yeah, it's the thing about uh, uh, um, break up the action. There's but. there's just a finite amount of 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 page space, but script length. Mm -hmm. I mean, people think you can write a script as long as you want, and you can. But but I but I tell you you know I used to read a Lionsgate for a while mm -hmm. and the first thing I would do when I would get a script page length see how long it how many pages because I'm trying always. to figure out like is it going to take much time how much time I got to put into <laughs> exactly. this you know and people 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 even say it with movies right. is how long it's 140 uh, minutes I don't want to see it I don't want to see it <laughs> at 140 minutes yet. You'll binge three episodes of of, of a right. show immediately because right. you just is a weird preconception and I, and I, so um, but 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 that's part of the math too. That's part of the math. It is. Of I, I I was a reader also for three years at Alcon Entertainment with their mm -hmm. put deal at Warner Brothers, and as a reader, first thing I always looked at was the page count also. Right. Absolutely, because you want to know this person knows how to tell an efficient story. Right. And that's not just hitting page counts. It's as you're reading it, knowing they're not leaving in information that really isn't their job. Right. So many screenwriters try to do everybody's job on the film set that it drives me nuts. Oh, yeah. You're not the actor. You're not the set decorator. Mm -hmm. You're not the director. You're not the cinematographer. But somehow, writers think that, oh, but I see this in my head. and this is, That's not your job. People are reading your story to see a series of unraveling circumstances happen with characters that fascinate and intrigue us. Right. That's what you're telling. All that other crap you want to put in there because you can see it in your head, it's lovely, that's great. Unless you're going to direct it, that's not your job, and you're going to ruin the flow of your movie, burdening it with things that you really have no control over and that a director is just going to cross them out anyway. And if you put details, look, you, also, you want to leave enough white space and enough... Um, you want to leave enough empty room in your mm -hmm. script for people to bring themselves to the material. If you're directing the material through your writing, no director is going to feel that they bring anything special to the material when they're deciding whether they want to do it or not. Mm -hmm. Writers will reject parts because the part is written in a way that it's like, you could have a machine do this. Mm -hmm. They want to. They want to see. They want to read it. They want to get lines, and they want to feel that. Oh my God, this is hitting me in a way, and I feel like I know how to play this scene. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what excites them. But yeah. if you've told them how to play, you haven't given them a chance to internalize the part and make it theirs. Look, you set up what the stakes are. You set up what they want, and you put them in a situation that is going to get screwed up for right. them. That's what we do. We don't tell them how to perceive and how to act it because that's their job and that's their freedom. And you have to let these artists be artists when they're on your film. Yeah, that's a great. You know, it's 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 like the, the other night I was reading the Arrival script. You know, mm -hmm. and I was just thinking about it. And I was what you say. It's like there's 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 a few there's a few little moments in there 
that are kind of like these like behavioral cues. Yeah. But I think that they're really smartly done. I remember the things that stood out to me was there's moments when Amy Adams' character, um, but they do it in a way, he, but he does it in a great way. He, I, he says, he never says her hand is shaking and mm-hmm. she's shivering, but he says a few times she notices her hand is not shaking. Mm. You know, so he's let, so he's letting the actress know you should be in a really like intense state through right. the previous scene, and now right. you've calmed down. And I was like, "That's so yeah. smart." Eric, that's who so yeah, Eric is really. <laughs> <under the laughs> shit. Am I allowed to disagree with that? No, you can. <laughs> you can. You can totally do what you want. I, I don't believe that a screenwriter should be putting in a script what people are not doing because that's like trying to describe not blue. In a scene, mm-hmm. what is it? Purple? Is it green? Is it yellow? Is it red? No. Tell us what we see. You don't need to tell us what we don't see. Don't tell us what they're not doing because the audience isn't going to get that information. Film and screenwriting is a visual medium, so everything you put in the script should be something you can either see from the speakers or see on the screen. Well, let me ask you this. Let me let me debate that. Let's just debate just, it, let's man. Debate, let's, let's bring it, it on. I love this shit. So here's my problem with that. I love it, but here's my problem with it. What I've learned is. Here's the thing. I think the, what you're saying, in my opinion, is writing for the production. What he's saying, in my opinion, is writing for the reader. The reader is the first one to read it. They need to get past all the other shit. When you get to production, you know they go, okay, we don't need that, we don't need that, we don't need that, we don't need that. But I feel like for the reader, for me, I feel like there are certain things you have to give them to make them enjoy the read even more. For me. So that's why I debate that. Well, you can simply have her steady her own hand. If right. you want to show her getting calm, right. you show them physically doing something that they are doing. Okay, I see where you're going. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 you can yeah. do the same things you want right. to do. You just have to phrase it in the script in a positive way okay. so that you're saying what we are seeing. You can't tell us what we're not seeing because we don't see it. <laughs> you can't, don't put in a script no, I, what's I not on the screen. Okay, I, I agree with you. I I, I that's you like see. saying, I it's like when I, you, people <laughs> introduce a character. I'm a big uh, like I hate when somebody introduces a character and then they give us some backstory about them in the right. character introduction. You're right. like, how the hell do we know that? He's a doctor. <laughs> I don't know he's a doctor. Put him in a freaking lab coat. Right. All right. Now I know he's, you know, right. put a stethoscope on him. Now I know he's a freaking doctor. Right. But don't tell us things that we can't see or we don't understand how we're getting that. Look, in a script, you are trying to get the reader to leap to conclusions. You do not provide the conclusions for the reader. You give them the facts of what they see and then the way you engage a reader's mind in your material is by telling them what they see and letting the reader come to the material by making the conclusions that you want them to reach. You don't tell them exactly everything they need to know because then the reader has no involvement. And they have the no curiosity. Just, yeah. Well, sure. Okay, now that's the point that I feel is where a lot of young writers make the mistake Mm -hmm. is that the thing that keeps me reading on in scripts is i'm going to know something something's happened that you've presented Mm -hmm. and i'm anxious to find out then you keep reading yeah and which is what we want (laughs) yeah you you know and 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 that's exactly what a big trick of it is because like you're writing a suspense plot yeah it's i mean the suspense plot doesn't even have to be in a suspense movie. No, right. not There's at all. just that moment of, okay, what's going to happen? Like, what mm-hmm. is going to happen mm-hmm. with this person, you yeah. know? And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah it's, it's, it's I, I think that's the key to, like, keeping you engaged as, 
you know, as the audience, whether it's the reader, whether it's the, the person who's watching the movie later on, whether it's the, the stuff that's all going on in the production and stuff like that is like keep everybody engaged in a way where they're not lost, but they don't know the answer either. Keeping right. them engaged. They, yeah, you Crimes know. of the Heart, uh, the, the stage play Crimes of the Heart is a brilliant example of this. It's an emotional story drama about three sisters who, who are trying to keep their lives together. And you find out something happened before the main course of the play and one of the sisters shot somebody. And every 15 minutes of the play, you're finding out a little bit more of what happened and what did Beth do and how did it happen. And they don't tell you the whole story until you get to the end of the second act. And then they relive it so you know what happened, why someone was shot, and and exactly the circumstances. But you keep wanting to know more because the characters are interesting. And you're like, wait, they did that? This person did that? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. What does that mean? Yeah. yeah, suspense plot is really crucial to keeping people hooked. It, it's the fishing line. You're keeping right. a fish hooked and slowly reeling them into the boat by the end right. of the movie. Right. Let me, let me. So, so you said the first? Did you say the first script you wrote you sold? The first feature film screenplay I ever wrote did did get set up with Mike how, Newell can and we, Dustin How did Hoffman. that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> this is a story, guys. Oh, tell it, tell it. <laughs> All right, I went to. Uh, I wrote it while I was at NYU Tisch School of the Arts, All right. and uh, I came out to LA. And after my time at UCLA, um, there was a three-year span where I just kept writing. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I went down and talked to the woman I was going to marry, mm-hmm. who was living with me at the time, and I said, "Hey, um, I just got this great idea for script number 18. and she said Michael stop stop writing and go meet somebody start meeting people Mm -hmm. so um, believe it or not my first connection this is so freaking Hollywood okay my first Hollywood connection happened at synagogue Jewish temple really absolutely and I met some guy there who wanted to be a producer Mm -hmm. and uh, he asked to read the script one of my scripts and you know you have there's a fondness for your first script you ever wrote because it's 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 what broke through it's what broke the dam to allow you to explore this life something moved you enough that it that you're like a rushing set of water and it, it sent, sent us reeling into what we do. Yeah. So I, I used that as a sample and um, he sent it, I want to show this to this other person who I know. So he showed it to somebody else, that person offered to manage me and then she said, uh, I want to send it to people and she sent it to three companies. Now, what I should say though is that I first... When I first sent he it said out, script eighteen. Did you miss that part? Yeah, I did eighteen before the first one right. sold. Right. I had written eighteen, so mm-hmm. I had been rewriting the script. Right. The first script wasn't the first script I wrote, and the first draft I wrote. Right. I had done many drafts of it. I had made it rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of what you do. Now I had had an experience before that where, as I was graduating, I decided not to compete in the big competition they do at UCLA for screenwriters right. because I had already been offered an agent. And then I had this guy uh, offer to represent me. And then so I figured, well, if the prize for this program of winning this prize is that you're going to get representation, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't. I shouldn't submit my oh, material. Take it from somebody, oh, right, right, right. It from somebody yeah. else who needs to break. Yeah, it was very great. It was a bad move. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sadly, uh, so I let the pro- I let it go. Somebody else won it, which is great. I got this agent, and then I find out uh, right after that process had gone through that this agent has left this big agency. It wow. was it was called the Renaissance Agency right. at the time. I remember the agency. I remember yeah. Yeah. You remember them? Uh-huh. Uh, and he's going to be a manager. So I went with him to his management company, and uh, he looked at his, he. Looked 
loved it. He goes, we got this plan. We sat down in his office mm-hmm. and we came up with 55 different production companies yeah. that it was going to be right to four. Okay. And we just came up with this master list together of all the people. We, he was going to go out huge with this spec, mm-hmm. which they don't do much anymore. Right. They don't blink at the time like they used to. Um, and he goes, okay, this is what we're going to do. Now, before I send it to these 55 people that we've selected, <laughs> I'm going to slip it to three friends and get some feedback before we before okay. we go wide just to make sure it works. And so they, he sent it to his three friends and he got three sets of feedback, all of which were very simple and and they they, they all said the same thing. It's a period film mm-hmm. and it's an ensemble film. And people in this industry, they want to attach a movie star or a single, they, they want a star role for one guy. So it's a period ensemble film. So uh, it's a great script, but it's not, it's not the easiest sell. Right. Next thing I know, he's not returning my calls. <laughs> so I'm like, when are we going out with it to all these people? Nobody said it was, a, it was not a good script. Right. It's just not a script. People don't want to put all the effort into getting something out there if they don't think it's going to sell based right. on what somebody told them isn't working for what's being bought. True. So literally for six months, he doesn't return my call. What? Yeah. <sighs> this uh, town. That's this a town. lesson. And then That's so I decide on a weekday to go to his office <laughs> and just say, what's up? Yeah. And I get there. It's a weekday. It's not a holiday. I go to his office and it's dark. Damn. The door is open and nobody is there. What? And I walked in. I looked around. And please keep in mind, anybody right. who works in this industry, I was... Young, dumb, and full of idiocy. Right. Right. You didn't go in there with a gun. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I, but so I walked back into this agent's office who had just hegged me on, got me to not take the opportunities I could have had at my university mm-hmm. to get with somebody who was actually going to take care of me. Right. I walked into his office, saw my script on his shelf, picked it up, took it off his shelf, and left him a note. I took my script. I don't think this is right for us. Really? Goodbye. I love and, I, it. and I walked out. That was yeah. all I did. I didn't make a mess. I didn't do anything, but yeah. I took my script. Yeah. All of a sudden, guess what? He called me back. <laughs> <laughs> and he ringed me. How dare you go into my office when I'm not there? Wow. How dare you enter our building? I'm like, dude, the building was open. The right. doors were open. Right. The lights were off. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you really cared so much about how people were going to treat you, you maybe should have considered how you're treating right. other people. And so, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, you know, so all I did was take my script back and he was livid. What was he going to do with it? Why does he care? Yeah. I just, I had to take it back because when you put all that out there for somebody and they make you all these promises about what they're going to do and how big it's going to go, and then they won't even send it out. And then they won't return your call because I don't know if it's guilty or they just decide that it's not their time mm-hmm. or they decide, um, you know what, this isn't worth my time because mm-hmm. that's not going to sell because it's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll have you know that same exact script did uh, uh, a year later get picked up. But how did that and, Okay. So that same script uh, – I, I met somebody at Temple. Uh, they gave it to a manager. No, no, no. But this is the same time. Now I'm catching you up to the news story because right, right. the first one was in college. This is now three years after college. Wow. And I've just, I, after that experience, I buried myself in the room and just kept writing because I, re- I didn't trust the business anymore. Right. And for me, running away into writing has always been the safe place. Mm-hmm. You know, the movie theater is my yeah. home. Yeah. So I just went and, Some hit, people and eat, wrote. You write. That's right, and and eat in the movie theater. Um, but so uh, the, the 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 man the, the this this person gave it to a manager. The manager loved the script and said, "You know, why don't I send it to three production companies?" I'm like, "Oh, great, here, here we, we go, go again. again. Three production <laughs> companies." And she sent it, and then 
uh, she came back, and guess what? Guess what they said? What? That it was ensemble and period. And I said, I know that. <laughs> I told you that. You read it, and you knew that. Right. And she goes, Yeah. So I'm sending it to three more. That I love. That I love too. Yes. And one of those three people was uh, a company. Um, on the Universal Backlot, mm-hmm. and uh, they said, this is really an amazing piece of material. Do you mind if I send this to three agents? Mm-hmm. And they sent it to William Morris, CAA, and ICM. Okay. And literally, within 24 hours, ICM called and said they wanted me. Mm. And so I signed with those guys right away. They decided to slip it to two people within ICM, hoping that one would say yes to get an attachment. One was Dustin Hoffman, hmm. and the other was um, Mike Newell's people, his production hmm. company. And uh, they both loved the material. They didn't expect this, and it started a fight. Yeah. <laughs> because they both wanted to run with the material. Oh, right, the different right. companies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, it was in a, this is a crazy ego boost here. What happens is because um, I wound up going with uh, the company that was with Mike Newell only because um, the producer insisted, who had given the agent insisted, and that agent, the person, uh, the person who worked with Mike Newell, actually also worked with ICM. Okay. Not not a client, but worked is uh, worked at ICM. Okay. And so there was a lot of money. Wise, and he says, "This is the way it's going to go," mm-hmm. and I just I had to go with it. You know, I had I have to. One of the lessons we're all going to learn out there, boys and girls, is that <laughs> sometimes you have to ride the horse in the direction it's going. Right. When the when the horse is moving, just grip your saddle. Uh, uh, bring your legs in tight mm-hmm. and whip those reins and go. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happened. Dustin got angry, stayed attached to the project, and left ICM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because the asset is interesting. It's like the, 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 this over something story. I wrote. Yeah. The politics. Two time Academy Award winning amazing actor. Wow. The politics is what really. Yeah, agency, the, the agency world is just such a weird thing. Mm. You know, like just just beyond the way they represent clients, it's mm-hmm. like the the internal battle that they have. Because yes. he's slipping Very a script to two different people yeah. that are you know the same client. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, sorry, I mean they're clients at the same agency, and that's causing a rift. That's the risk, you know. That that's they're a willing huge to take. Risk, yeah. Know? But I I don't know. It's a fascinating story. That's great. That was my first script. So it got set up. Mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman was an amazing collaborator. He. So you got uh, to meet him hanging out? Oh, yes, I did. And he sent me the entire 12-volume autobiography by Casanova. Because yeah. the, the movie, the script, is one of, still one of my favorite scripts I've ever written. It's called The Casanovas. Mm-hmm. And the legend of Casanova is clear. He could seduce four women every night. Right. What you didn't know is that there's actually four Casanovas. Oh, and they're okay. best friends who run around the French countryside seducing everything with legs. Sure. <laughs> Making a fortune, cleaning up, and having a grand old time until they're going to get thrown in debtor's prison for the life they've led. Right, right. And, and they're living beyond their <clears throat> means. <laughs> so they, they get a, da- a dare, a bet. They get a wager that they have to win in order to afford not to go to debtor's prison. Mm. And that is to seduce the entire royal family of France into their hearts and into their beds in three days. In three, I like that. So, so the whole movie fast. is, is yeah. a ticking clock. Yeah. You got romance. You got a romp. It's swashbuckling. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the Three Musketeers okay. and meets the Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a swashbuckling, romantic, sexy romp. And uh, um, Dustin Hoffman uh, was going to play the character who facilitates the wager okay. uh, for the for the young Casanovas. And 
we were all really excited about it. But um, then another project called Casanova got greenlit with by Lassa Hallstrom directing, oh, and Heath, Heath Ledger, Ledger starred in it, and it kind of killed the momentum we had going. But so that film didn't get made. But if anybody's interested in it now, please call Ryan Saul at APA, <laughs> my agent, and get a copy, or find me on www.michaeltabbwgawga.com, <laughs> and you can reach out to me and any of my reps. Right, that's that. There you that's go. A good story. That is the first script I ever set up. And then the second script was that number 18 that I, was, I wanted to write, really? but I never had gotten to. Okay. Yeah. What was that one? That one was um, similar outcome. Uh, it was a movie called Troy. Right. And uh, I, I wanted to, when I was in college, when I was at NYU, um, I, did, I, I did two off-Broadway Shakespearean plays okay. and two straight plays because I love acting. I believe a lot of, act, look, writing is really acting mm-hmm. but now you get to play all the roles right. which is why the, people always ask me why aren't you acting anymore I'm like because I'm still acting you're playing all the roles yeah, that's I, what I, writers I do we play all. all the characters right. so um, but one of the plays I did off Broadway was uh, Troilus and Cressida which is oh, a Shakespearean yeah, yeah. piece hmm. and I was in it I played uh, Ajax and I decided I wanted to tell that version in a modern film. I th- basically, it's Romeo and Juliet set amongst the backdrop of the of the Trojan War. Mm-hmm. Okay. So all these great characters, Achilles and Paris and Hector, and they're all in the backdrop. They're all part of the movie. You know, Agamemnon, all these uh, <laughs> Helen of man. Troy. I love those and then days, you have man. this love story at the very heart of it, which is about these two lovers. And much like the Titanic, can they get together before the ship sinks? Right. Right. And that's what it's all about. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a, it was a great war epic, and I was I brought in another another uh, historic movie. That another wrote. historic movie, absolutely. <laughs> but there were, at least there were leads, right? right. <laughs> so um, when I uh, I got I was at that time I had just gotten chosen to develop a film adaptation for Mark Canton on a Stanley um, piece of material, right. the amazing uh, iconic Stanley. Wow. And um, they said, look, whatever you wrote next or writing next, please send it to us because we, we like your stuff. Mm-hmm. So I finished this script and my team, when I, when I went to my team, by the way, these agents who, who did get the last one set up and told them I want to write a Trojan War epic, <laughs> they, uh, I was told uh, that's, nobody's going to buy that. Right. This was before, right before Gladiator came out. Okay. And they're like sword and sandal <laughs> epics, uh, that kind of thing. The the Trojan War. No, nobody's going to make that movie. Right. But I said, well, I gave them a proposal with five different film ideas I could write that were different than that, that mm-hmm. were modern day and easier accessible. And they poo pooed them all. So I'm like, well, you know what? Unless somebody's paying me, mm-hmm. and you don't like the other things, I'm going to write what I want to write. Mm-hmm. The writer has to keep writing, and you can't wait for permission to write. Just write. And, and can I just say? Chris and I talk about this all the time. Every time somebody makes it, it's on the script that their agent told them not to make it. I, I don't mean to put down any agent. No, but for no. some reason, because they follow what Hollywood says. Well, yes, well, you know what I mean. Well, yeah. See, agents. I read this somewhere. I think it was Carol Kirshner maybe told mm-hmm. me. She said agents are closers. Right. It's all they do. Mm-hmm. And ABC salesmen. And see. That it makes sense to me that they are they have they have all this access and power and they this kind of stuff, but it's like they're closers. They don't. So you be, if you look at it that way, it's like even when you're selling a TV pitch or something like that, mm-hmm. you got to come in and do all this work before you close. Right. And it's basically it's like you know they're the number nine batter coming in in the cleanup. That's their only job. So you got to get the bases loaded right. before you bring them in. 
And that's why I think people like kind of fail to understand Which why, is why they won't sign you anymore unless you yeah, have a deal. Uh, uh, like, some, well, what I going. need you for? Yeah, I don't. So, but, but it's one of those things. Here's why you need an agent. No, I'm general. No, you need an yeah. agent because nobody's going to believe that you're any good unless you have one. Right. right. They don't want to read you because who's going to tell them that you're good? You are? Right. Your mom? Yeah. No, that's not going to work. You have an agent so that you can go around and sell yourself because it's not, they're, yeah, it's they're not going to sell you. Right. You basically say, no, I am good, and the industry says so. Right. Yeah. And that's all. And then yeah. you have to go out and get your own work. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you, you do got to go. Well, look, you, have to, you, you can't. You have to use your own work. Because it's, it's changed so much. It's changed a lot, I think, since this, the, the 2008 strike. Right. Where it's like agents don't want to do any work. And, you know, and but their opinion means so much. And But the thing is, is that they're looking at material that they feel is going to sell. Right. But the only thing is, we want to see shit that we've never seen before. That's what we go to the movies to see. Right. That's you right. Know? Right. So I, I mean, it's interesting. Like, like you know, what's the guy uh, uh, Taylor Sheridan who wrote mm-hmm. Hell or High Water? And I keep saying, write the movie that you want to see because the stuff that you want to see is the shit that you haven't seen before. That's you know? gospel. Right. That is gospel. Say it again. They need to hear that again. You have to write the shit that you haven't seen. That you, you want to see. see. You, that you, you want to see. Pay to see. You would pay to theater. see. You yeah. know, it was like the other. Hell yeah. Day. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons why I get so pissed off when I like when I watch. Well, actually, I don't watch sequels anymore. I can't think of the last sequel that I watched. No, you hate sequels. Um, <laughs> I, I I mean now I I'll take that back when it comes to like. The comic book movies, that's because I want to see that stuff. Right. Because I read that stuff, and it's, it's like you're showing me stuff that I still find fascination right. with, you know? But everything else, I'm like, I don't want to see this anymore. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, if the first movie was really good, then what you, then what you did with that character is like his most important shit imaginable for him. Right. You can't replicate that in, in version two. Right. You, because you, know, you just did it. Yeah. yeah. You already you know, did it. You already you did it. Moment. You gave him that life defining mm-hmm. changing moment. If mm-hmm. you don't do that, then you then it's like what are you doing? So, I think that's where you like that's why when you write shit that's unconventional, people take notice. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately like agents and managers and everything like that, I mean like I was at HBO the other day and the guy was saying that I like to come to work to be surprised. Mm. That's important. When you say know, that again. Say that it's like, again. I like to come to work to be surprised. <laughs> that's what gets Love me it. out of, th- that's what puts, and he was kind of joking about, because someone asked them about, they're coming back with season three of True Detective, and mm-hmm. I guess this guy, I guess there's some weird situation with yeah, the Marshall writer. Marshall Ali's supposed to. Yeah, he's in, it was going to be dope. I think it's going to be dope. Like, David Milch is back. But I think, the, but the guy said that he kind of found Nick Pizzoletto when he first came to HBO, mm-hmm. and he was, he kind of said it in a way like, yeah, we're doing that again, as if it was like, uh, like we said earlier about their relationship is, is a little strained right. between everyone there but he's like I'm going to be surprised again at what they give me right. so I'm going to put up with, with with whatever that it was mm-hmm. and accept that because the journey that those pages are going to take me on is uh, is enough for me and yeah. my and, and that's a, and that, I mean you go to a movie that's what you want right. I mean like you know like um, I saw Dunkirk every day have you, have you seen Dunkirk? Nah. Okay, so I love World War Two movies. Mm-hmm. I, they're always they, some of the battles are always fucking cool as shit. Um, the dog fight scenes in this movie are so fucking cool. Yeah. I haven't seen anything really like that except for 
some of the actual actual dog fight footage that when oh, really? in real life when they had the cameras like like there like yeah. the, the, it's like everything about it I was like that's fucking dope because no one's really done that done it like that okay. and that's why it's, I heard it, I heard it's, it looks it's, amazing it's worth seeing yeah. well Christopher Nolan I mean oh, he's yeah. he's he's an art tour director so mm-hmm. and everybody respects him and he goes I'm gonna go make this and they're gonna say okay here's your money <laughs> <laughs> just call me if you need some more that's no problem right? <laughs> that's right that's right you did the last three Batman movies okay yeah, yeah sure yeah. go ahead whatever you want whatever you want whatever you want it must be nice to have carte blanche well, thank you, Michael. So what's next for you? What you got going on? Um, I'm developing a TV show right now with right. Uh, the Sean Daniel Company, mm-hmm. uh, with Evan Spiliotopoulos, who wrote uh, the... Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. He's right. an amazing guy. He's such a great creative collaborator. Mm-hmm. And Thor Frudenthal, who uh, directs a lot of the CW TV show episodes. He also mm-hmm. did some movies that really uh, are great for young and all audiences from... Uh, um, because he did uh, like a Percy Jackson. Did he, he did, did the Percy, Percy Jackson, Jackson, Sea of Monsters. He did uh, uh, Diary of a Wimpy uh, Kid. Right, right. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's done some great stuff. And he did the, the finale of the the Expanse this yes, year, second he did. season. Yes, yeah, he, really. Yeah. Look at you bringing up the cinephile, cinephile of it. dropping knowledge. <laughs> I, know hey! a little bit. I know him a little bit. I know his yeah. wife too. So, so oh, they're great, great people. So it's a great team. And like Sean Daniel, he did all the Mummy movies. He did mm-hmm. Tombstone. He's he produces the Expanse. Um, so we're putting together a TV show. Uh, hopefully, we're, we'll we'll get somebody to pick that baby up. Right. Also, uh, I just finished a script. I I have always had a passion and a love of stories that are about people who feel ugly. Hmm. So, um, for obvious reasons, um, <laughs> yeah. so You're I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the classic <laughs> French gothic literature, including right. Phantom of the Opera right. and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Right. So what I decided to do is write a screenplay that is a modern-day version of The Hunchback Meets the Phantom set in a modern-day parochial uh, Catholic high school. So you have the austere Uh, priests and the churches that you have. That sounds dope. Victor um, Hugo. Yeah, (laughs) that is. So um, I just finished that, and I'm working on a couple projects I can't talk about. Oh, I understand. Good. Are you on Twitter or anything? Can people follow I you? I am. Just uh, Michael Tab on Twitter. Yeah. M-I-C-H-A-E-L-T-A-B-B. And uh, like I already drink? gave you... The, <laughs> with an extra B. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, we can leave the drink behind, please. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then uh, please uh, sign up for my uh, webpage. I, I, I've joined the new millennia, and uh, <laughs> I have actually have a webpage. Now web you page. blog. <laughs> w- www.michaeltabwga.com. Uh, Right. And check it out. It's got, um, it's got it, talk, cool it talks about my book too, yeah. and yeah. you can see some of the endorsements. I slipped it to a few people. Everybody from um, it's a book out. Can people uh, get it? No, I'm I'm right now in hard negotiations. I believe with my publisher. Okay. Uh, so my lawyer is uh, taking the reins. You know, th- I understand why so many people self-publish today mm-hmm. because of the fact that you know the deals for an actual publishing deal, they are not kind. No. They're they you know. When, uh, it's somebody, like a production. Uh, isn't yeah. it? Well, I mean, look. I mean, I, I, look. If they're giving you an advance, right. they're fucking you. I'm going to say that. Number yeah. one. If, they're, if they're not giving you advance, they're still fucking you. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, like when you get a when you get a a contract deal and uh, they they want ninety five percent of your book and you get five percent right. and that's of the profits. Right. Five percent. That's just. I don't know why they think that that's okay. I understand that they're shelling out the money for the for the paper, and yeah. and, and, the, and the formatting for the for that. But 
still, even when it's a purely digital copy, they still want 95%. Oh, wow. So it's not coming out in, No, in, no. Still. And, and a lot of people say, you know, the, you, with digital copies, a lot of people are doing uh, 25% split, 25, 75 for the publisher. And then uh, some people are even getting 40% as writers. See, to right. me, there's still robbery on right. a certain level because I feel like... You know, I've talked with publishers about stuff every once in a while because I, I, I just a couple of books someone had asked me about when to write, and I was like, but I don't get any money mm-hmm. at doing this. And I mean, and, and the thing is, you're only going to know about reading it unless there's advertising, and they want you to do a lot of the advertising. I mean, they actually don't even want to bring you on unless you present them an advertising model. Right. On what you're gonna do, and then, and then on top of all this work you gotta do, the book tour, all this kind of stuff, they still want all this percentage of the book, of, 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 of the royalties. That's it's right. Like, what are and, you doing? And I got endorsements from uh, teachers at UCLA, USC, and NYU and AFI. Mm-hmm. So you know that this book is gonna be used. Yeah, you know. And then I got yeah, I got I got endorsements from you know people like David Goyer, Stan Lee, mm-hmm. uh, Carlton Cuse, you know, uh, Dame, Damon Lindelof, Jeff Malvoin, some of the greatest writers of our time. Right, you right. You know, uh, so the book is there, Mark Guggenheim, you know, it, and so I did all this in advance so that I would get somebody interested in publishing, but right. then they're interested in publishing and they offer you a deal and you're just like this is why people self-publish. But if they're going to do marketing and they're going to call schools and they're going to send it out. Oh, if they're going to do that, then... They say they're going to do that, but they're not tied to it in the contract. Correct. They don't put oh. what they're going to do in the contract. You know that they... Sometimes they say, we'll do, do that. that in good faith. <laughs> That's right. You know they, they don't get... They don't... Uh-huh. So there really is, for 95%, uh, they're not... The, the contract doesn't say much. So, right. um, you know, my, my agent's gone back to them with what we think is... Fair and very, very, very fair right. on, uh, for them, and hopefully they they feel the same way. And uh, I appreciate the work that they do for me. The my mm-hmm. having a great entertainment attorney is so important. They right. always pay for their percentage they take. I have and the, then sell. That, I love my. As a matter of fact, he's having his fiftieth anniversary today. Um, shout out to Michael Donaldson over there. Um, shout out <laughs> to Darren Tratner. <laughs> exactly. Shout yeah. out to Wayne Alexander. Right, Those right. guys, man, they, <laughs> they do, do your work. They thank are. you, thank you, thank you for protecting my ass. <laughs> Where you at, Chris? Uh, I'm on Twitter at unauthorized CBD. Mm-hmm. I'm on Instagram, the same place at unauthorized CBD, and I'm doing the comic book things coming out on the website on uh, shadowboxforcinema.net. Right, that's what's up. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show, Screenwriters RR, on Twitter. Why are you staring at me, Michael? Because I love you, man. Because <laughs> I love you something good and special. Because you the man. That's right. That's right. Um, if you guys have any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Follow us. Share it. Um, tweet it. All that shit. Retweet it. Um, let me think. What else? What else? God, there's so much going on. Um, I'll say you can read articles written by me at scriptmagazine.com. It's scriptmag.com. You can look up Michael Tab there. I'm one of the bloggers. And so those articles were the foundation for the starting of my book. Oh, cool. That's what's up. So, and those are free. That's free. You can just go check it out, see what it's saying. So, you know what? This guy does have something to say. Maybe I should read the thing. <laughs> oh, totally. I, I, I think I've read maybe four or five of those. Yeah, yeah easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at least. I want to give a big shout out to my girl Tiffany Haddish. She's out there killing it right now. Have you oh, seen Girl Trip? I haven't seen Girl Trip. Everyone's she saying, everyone's saying. But I, need, it, I, I heard. I'm I heard. So proud of, I told the bitch she's gonna be a star. I told the bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I cast her in the um, that 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 pilot that we did with Scotch that with um, Kim Coles and all them. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She was the third lead. 
And um, um, yeah, we talked about doing a spinoff with her and everything. Anyway, um, so so proud of you, girl. You making it happen. She's I was watching the UFC fight, and that bitch is sitting in the audience. I was like, okay, look at you. <laughs> you better do it, girl. Um, so shout out to you. You're doing big things. And um, join in with me for 2017 is a little thing we say on the show. So, um, oh, shout out to all the countries out there who are following us. A big shout out to... Um, England, of course, which is always think number two or three. Australia, um, Brazil. Um, who else? Who else is big? China. I'm like China. Um, Japan. Um, South it's, Africa. It's be bootlegged in China. Dude. It's bootlegged it's in just, China. How in the hell would we be getting hits in China? I'm like, what they bootleg. They, they bootleg everything. <laughs> <in China. laughs> anyway, so. I, I hope I get to one day go and lecture at all these places. Yeah. You know, I love teaching. I don't know. You obviously love teaching. Both of you mm-hmm. do because you're doing this. Isn't that the best when you can give back to people right. and do right. and go, and they're listening from all over because they want to learn. Right. The world wants to learn to do this better. And I'm going to thank you two gentlemen thank you. for teaching them right. and making sure you're there to spread your knowledge. Thank you. That's, that's giving back in a major way. Yeah, when we started this podcast, you know, three and a half years ago, we're, this will be episode 165. Holy crap. And actually, I've done about 180. I just, I do bonuses and I don't count them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I feel like it's a cheat. So I just don't. But anyway, um, we started this podcast, me and Lisa, sorry you didn't get a chance to meet her, but you know, you'll be back. Um, and we started it because we were teaching at, for the organization of black screenwriters. Sometimes we would do little things at the Writers Guild and CBS or whatever. And to be like, you know, 30, 40 people in the audience, and I was like, we need a bigger audience. We need to, because people are always like, God, you guys are so good. You give us so much game and whatever. And we were like, so somebody hit me about doing a podcast, and they're like, you kind of have to watch the language. And I was like, I ain't teaching like that. I, I, I like to talk like I'm in the writer's room. <laughs> you know, and like we're just chopping it up and things go on, you know. And so um, Pamela, I, uh, my producing partner, we were talking, and I was telling her about this, and she's like, well, what would it take to do a podcast? She's like, I buy all the equipment and whatever. She's like, how much is that? And I told her, she's like, here's a check. Go do it. You know what I mean? So that's how it started. We just started making these freaking podcasts. You know what I mean? And within months, we were like all over the world. You know, you just never know how. To, and I hardly promote this at all. That's amazing. You know? It's amazing what happens when all you have to do is tell somebody what you need, and they and then it is provided. Right. That's an amazing thing. Right. It's it, it goes to remind all of you that if you need something, you can't be afraid to ask. The worst that can happen is they say no. Right. And you're embarrassed and humiliated, and you don't want to face them in public. Okay. All right. <laughs> then, then again, that's just me because you know I'm always nervous. But the fact that you just said what you needed, yeah. you told her what you needed, mm-hmm. and then she just gave it to you, so you could you, do it. Sometimes you got to ask. I was right. You got. It's not going to cost you anything right, to pride right, if, right. You, if you don't get it. True. So don't be afraid to ask. If you want to make that movie, go to your rich friends and your, your parents <laughs> and, the, and your doctors, your doctors, doctors, friends in their office, and ask people for money to go make your movie once you know the script is fantastic. Right. And by the way, wait till you know the script is fantastic <laughs> because making a POS is not going to help anybody. Right. On that note, y'all know how we do it on the rant room. On this show, we're discussing, why am I going back to the damn speech I again? Know. <laughs> Y'all know how we do it in the rant room. <laughs> we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, Chris? 2017. 2017. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Chris. Peace, y'all. I'm going to say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the rant room. Be a writer, well 
but you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Red Room.